Hello everyone and welcome back to Strong Style Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host as always, Paul Martinez, and we're here to talk two shows. We're going to talk the New Japan Cup Night 2 of that great tournament, and then we're going to cap that off with our main event, which is the report of Lucha Underground, which is uh, episode 207. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about that a little, in a little bit. We're going to start off with the New Japan Cup. And, you know, they, uh, there's only four tournament matches on this show. And so we have, you know, the, the undercard. And the undercard wasn't bad, but I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. So I'm going to kind of just run through it. Okay, the opening match was Jay White versus David Finley Jr. These guys are back at it again. We've seen it quite a few times already. Another solid display of mat wrestling. Um, Finley is wrestling pretty much as a straight heel here now. I mean, he's not even like just aggressive. He's, you know, cheating and what have you. So, which is fine with me. I think you need to see more of that with the young guys. Once again, White wins with the Lion Tamer submission hold. Two stars. Our next match, Hiroshi Tanahashi teams up with Juice Robinson to take on Yuji, Yujiro <laughs> Takahashi. And Cody Hall. Wow, how the mighty have fallen. Poor Tanahashi. Second match from the top, teaming with Juice? Ugh. That's for the match. Cody has freakish strength. Uh, he appears, though, to have injured himself on that rope move of his. Have you ever seen him? He does this move where he kind of stands on the second rope and kind of, the you know, will use it to catapult himself in. He's just too big of a guy to do that. I always thought that was a bit risky for a guy his size. And it looks like looks like he injured his uh, groin. And uh, he seems to be in serious pain. Somehow finishes the match. Um, he winds up submitting to a Tanahashi Cloverleaf. Talk about insult to injury. Uh, two stars. Our next match, Togi Makabe and Hanma, Great Bash Shield, the tag champs, team up with the never openweight champion Shibata, the Junior heavyweight champion Kushida, and somehow I don't know how this guy got in here, Ruski Taguchi, and they faced the team of Jushin Thunder Liger, Yuji Nagata, Tiger Mask, Hiroyoshi Tenzan, and Manabu Nakanishi, which of course is pretty much uh, almost the entire uh, veteran division there on one team. And that's what you would expect from this. Everybody gets a shot in. Uh, Shibata winds up pitting Nakanishi after a penalty kick. Afterwards, uh, do Shibata and Yuji kind of have a stare down. I'm hoping Yuji kicks his ass. I really just, I don't know why. He's not that, it's a little different. You know, I hate Taguchi. I just think he's terrible. But Shibata is a good worker. I just don't like his personality. I guess I'm a mark when it comes to Shibata. Also two stars, just a match. Again, the first three matches were there. There was nothing special, nothing bad. Just matches. Our next one, Evil and Bushi of Los Ingobernables. Uh, team up to face the IWGP heavyweight champion, Kazuska Okada and Yoshihashi. Uh, this was a wild match with uh, LIJ doing a lot of rule breaking. Okada, though, was fairly dominant here, no matter who he's in the ring with. But he does get cut off, and he does take some damage for a bit. But he comes back, 
hits Bushi with a drop kick, flying elbow, and then the Rainmaker. One, two, three. Two and a half stars. Not bad. Pretty solid work from everyone involved. Next. Now it's time for our tournament matches. And it's Toru Yano facing Satoshi Kojima. And this is just a crazy brawl with Yano mixing in some comedy here and there. Not really much to talk about here. Yano hits a low blow. But Kojima still hits a lariat anyway. Goes for another. But Yano does that hair pull cradle. That he used to beat Tanahashi last year. And he uses it to beat Kojima this year. Two stars. Good match. Yeah, I know. <laughs> four. Well, we've had uh, five matches. And four of them with us two stars. But uh, it's going to start to pick up here. Uh, we get Hiroki Goto versus Tama Tonga. New music for Tama, by the way. I like it. Uh, he's in control early on. Uh, but Goto rallies back. This was a very hard-hitting match. Both guys uh, really uh, letting it fly here, so to speak. We get a fantastic sequence of counters, which ends with Tama countering the over-the-knee neckbreaker with a gun stun. And he covers one, two, no. Goto kicks out. Goto then connects on a knee strike. And then a ripping kick to a kneeling Tama. And he covers him. And for what the ref says is three, although it was pretty clear, if you saw the replay, that Tama had gotten his shoulder up. Not so sure that was supposed to be the ending. But still, it was a pretty good match. I gave it three stars. I'm wondering if Goto can win this and maybe then challenge Shibata. That would be uh, an interesting uh, thing to do. As we talked about, nobody ever seems to go after the lesser belts. This could be a reason that Goto wins this to do that. We'll have to see. But after the match, here comes Okada once again. And he again extends his hand to Goto, who once again walks away. <laughs> and uh, Okada is just standing there in the ring with his hands still outstretched as Goto is like almost, you know, down the aisle and to the back already. I'm loving this angle, I got to say. I, I still don't think we're going to get swerved. But if we get swerved, this may be my favorite New Japan angle of all time. Our next match, Bad Luck Fale versus Michael Elgin. This could be fun or it could be bad, was my thinking going in. After a jumping enziguri, Elgin tries a vertical suplex, but is instead on the receiving end of a Samoan drop. Uh, a little later in the match, Elgin tries again for the vertical suplex, but this time he body slams to the mat. Elgin then hits a trifecta of stiff clotheslines and then finally suplexes the big man. He covers, but Bad Luck Fale kicks out at two. Fans are fully behind Big Mac in this match. Fale winds up hitting a spear for a two count. Fale then hits the grenade, but Elgin kicks out, much to the giant Tonkin's dismay. Uh, Fale looks for his top rope splash, but Elgin's up. He grabs him. And turns it into a power bomb. One, two, three. And there you have it. Two and a half stars. This was not a bad match at all. Uh, good storytelling in this one. Um, thought for, you know, Fale's a pretty tough guy to work with. I thought Elgin did a great job with him. And then it's time for our main event. And it's Tetsuya Naito versus Tomohiro Ishii. Uh, this match is a lot of no selling early on. Guys just walking through stuff. 
There's a complete shot by Naito, though, who puts him in control for a short bit. Ishii comes back hitting a huge lariat to change the tide. Uh, then a hanging superplex for Ishii. Fans love that. Fans, though, are pretty much backing Naito, much to my surprise here. Uh, I thought Ishii would be the crowd favorite here, but it's Naito. Speaking of Naito, he hits a bridging German suplex for a two count. And now this match is really starting to pick up steam. Both men hitting huge spots on each other. Ishii hits a lariat that has Naito do a 360 in the air. One, two, no. Ishii then misses the sliding lariat. Gets kicked in the head as uh, both men are now down on the mat. Naito seems to have a busted lip. Uh, Naito, though, does connect on a rolling capo kick. Then hits Gloria. Gets a two count after that. Uh, many of the crowd bought that as the finish. Uh, then he hits a flying forearm. Naito hits a bridging dragon suplex. One, two, kick out by Ishii. Naito goes to the Destino, but it's countered into an emerald flosion. We get a tight look at a glassy-eyed Naito who looks like he's in La La Land. Uh, great stuff here. Great stuff. Sliding Lariat by Ishii, but Naito kicks out. Ishii goes for his Brain Buster, but Naito counters into the Destino. One, two, three. Wow. What a match. Ishii does it again. Four stars. Third straight show. Where he has match of the night. After Ishii is attacked by the rest of the Los Ingobernables de Japón. Evil winds up hitting a lariat. And then an STO on a semi-conscious Ishii. So uh, maybe they're setting up something with Evil versus Ishii. Naito then cuts a promo in Spanish. With his accent it was a bit hard to understand what he was saying though. And that's our show. Alright. Um, overall. Not as good as night one. Not even close, to be honest. But nothing from night one was close to the main event here. Ishii and Naito put on a show. Um, you could almost argue that was four and a half stars. I mean, if I was going in quarters, I'd give it another quarter. Easy. A really, really good match. And uh, of the two nights, the match to see Naito and Ishii easily. But I'm going to refrain from talking match of the year for it. Because it just wasn't as good as the top two matches from Wrestle Kingdom which are still pretty fresh in my mind, being that we're only in March. So I'm not going to give this match of the year thoughts or contemplations so far. Up to this point when I saw this, there were only two matches that my eyes could be considered for that. Uh, as we look at who's left in this tournament, we've got Goto, Elgin, Naito, and Yano. And that's a pretty interesting foursome for sure. I'd be willing to bet money Yano's not coming out of this, but any of the other three wouldn't shock me. Again, everybody thinks Naito's winning. Naito is my most probable pick as well. But I still think Elgin could pull this off. Don't be too surprised. Okay. And from there, we move on to our main event, which is Lucha Underground, episode 207. And this one was entitled Death comes in threes. Show opens the sexy star in the locker room and the Mac walks in. Um, men and women are sharing the same locker room in this universe. A little strange. Anyway, he tells her that uh, he has a match with Marty Lamoff tonight and he wants her in his corner. But she shakes her head no. She looks like completely 
uh, devastated to even think about going near Marty at this point. But Mac tells her this isn't the sexy star he knows. She's strong. She's an ass kicker. And she finally agrees as they give each other a little fist bump. So uh, we'll see uh, what happens here. I got a feeling we might see uh, Ma- Marty's sister make an appearance tonight. But we'll see. We are introduced to the show by Stryker and Vampiro. And they send it up to my future wife, Melissa Santos, who is standing in the ring with nasty, sweaty t-shirt, Marty Lamoff, hovering over her um, in such a creepy fashion. Uh, Melissa doing a great job to make uh, these very uncomfortable facial expressions as he's uh, definitely invading her space. And uh, he announces the match as Marty versus the Mac. And the Mac is just tearing into Marty right from the start. Uh, we see Sexy is on the outside. She's looking very uncomfortable. I almost got a feeling like maybe PTSD-like. Never had it. Don't, you know, I don't know if I've, I've ever seen it up close. But that's just the thought I got when I was looking at her and her mannerisms here. Uh, Marty does come back. He has Mac down and goes for a splash from the top, but he misses. Mac hits a nice German, then a T-bone suplex. He goes up top, but the lights go out. We hear some music, almost like from a child's music box. And a figure makes its way down the ring in the dark. The lights turn on, and we see it's a woman with a mask. And some sort of, like, I don't know, wing type of getup. But the wings look like dirty rags. Marty... While this is going on, winds up hitting a curb stomp and pins Mac. Two stars for the match. Marty gets a mic and he introduces the mystery woman as his sister. I think he said her name was Mariposa. And uh, Sexy is just having a panic attack. Mariposa goes over kicks her right in the head, laying her out. And, okay, it was pretty obvious that this was Melissa Anderson. Even under the mask, you could tell it was her. But I'm very happy to see Melissa finally debuting. Uh, if you don't know who Melissa Anderson is, you might know her as cheerleader Melissa. Or TNA fans may remember her as Alyssa Flash. Or she was also the manager at one time for Awesome Kong, uh, going by the name Raisha Saeed. So uh, that's who this is. That's who Mariposa is. Melissa Anderson. Uh, one of my favorite female wrestlers. Very happy to see her here. I'm not sure though about this costume. <laughs> uh, she looks like a homeless luchadora or something. Not very flattering at all. Then we get an excellent video package for Phoenix. It shows pretty much his entire lucha underground highlights as he talks about proving everyone wrong all the time. And now he has to do it one more time when he becomes the lucha underground champion. Good stuff as always with these hype videos. Um, as I always say, no one does it better than Lucha on the ground. Then we switch to our dirty bathroom. Yes, I think it's the first time we've been in the dirty bathroom this season. Jack Evans is, uh, for lack of a better term, taking a leak in the toilet. He walks out the stall and is assaulted by Drago. Can't you let the guy wash his hands first? Anyway, Drago says in Spanish that he calls himself the Dragon Slayer, then slay him. But from behind comes PJ Black. 
Drago turns and gets clocked with the nunchucks that he left in the ring last week. Then Evans pulls out a pair himself. Not to be undone, Drago takes out a fresh pair of nunchucks. And we're ready for a good old martial art nunchuck battle, it looks like here. Uh, Drago fights him off at first, but soon they have him down and they're choking him out with the nunchucks. Uh, Evans makes some comment about keeping him, keeping him out of Aztec warfare. Then all of a sudden, the lights go out and we get the return of Aerostar. I guess traveling through time and dimensions is not a very quick ride. Cause I thought we saw him on his way back here like five, four or five weeks ago. But he's here now, and he uh, luckily, Evans and PJ Bale and Elstor helps his friend up to his feet. So obviously we see where this going. Tag team uh, Drago and Elstor versus Evans and PJ Black is probably coming up next week or the week after, I'm sure. Um, then we get Johnny Mundo versus Cage. No disqualification match. That's what's scheduled. That's what's announced. But Instead of Johnny Mundo, Taya Valkyrie comes out. She cuts a promo on how Johnny has already kicked his ass before, so now it's her turn. She says she is the perfect woman, and let's see if Cage has the balls to face her. Taya gets in the ring and pie faces Cage, then slaps him, so he takes her head clean off with a clothesline. Cage is hitting Taya with some huge moves. Uh, but Taya uses the no DQ rules to her advantage and delivers a low blow. Taya hits Cage with that panic attack in the corner. She then goes against the lead pipe from under the ring, but Cage snatches it and tosses it away. He then gives her buckle bombs into the metal barriers in the stands and then the ring post. Then Cage power bombs her in the ring and then gives her a buckle bomb. Uh, this is actually a bit too much in my opinion. I mean, this tire is, what, 120 pounds? And Cage is manhandling her. Uh, Cage sets up two tables now next to each other on the floor. Vampiro, even himself, by the way, was saying that they may need to call the cops here. Uh, this men beating up women thing is so stupid. Uh, he then does his deadlift Plex while standing on the bottom rope and sends her from the ring to the outside through the two tables. Uh, she's completely destroyed. Cage throws her limp body into the ring. Then uh, Mundo finally shows up. He clocks Cage with the pipe, drags Ty on top of him, and they both cover him, but Cage kicks out at two. Johnny then goes under the ring and pulls out a cinder block and beer bottle. Hell? Uh, where, why are these cinder blocks under the ring? I mean, okay. Full disclosure, I do have one under my bed, so I guess this is plausible, but still. Johnny then tries to lift Cage up, but he counters and sidewalk slams into the mat. But his head lands right on one of the bottles. Uh, we see there's some blood leaking from his head. It's not overly, it's not flowing, but there was some blood. Tyre gets involved then. Uh, Mundo grabs two bottles, breaks them over Cage's head. Now Cage is bleeding, uh, but still standing. Johnny shoves Tyre towards him and leaves the ring. 
Cage's Weapon X on tire into the pieces of broken glass. What the hell is happening here? He pins tire and it's mercifully over. I can't even score this. This was, just in my opinion, so unsafe. I'm very disappointed. Um, I believe I saw a small cut on Taya's midsection, uh, probably from landing in the glass, because you, you land uh, face first on that move. And I, I don't know. Like I said, someone could have a serious hurt here. Uh, bottles, cinder blocks. You know, I don't. I'm I'm not a big fan of this stuff. This was this CCW stuff, which I was never a big fan of. I mean, yes, ECW did some of this once in a while, and Lucha Underground doesn't do it that often. But at least when they do it, they seem a lot more safer. And they're not doing it so much with women taking these bumps. This wasn't crazy about this at all. Well, then it's time for this week's famous V commercial. All right. He mentions he is a retired underground fighter. And so he's retired now. Okay. And he's wearing a wizard's hat. Why? Then we see a toothless homeless woman named Brenda who has no job or car. She said she wouldn't have these problems if she was famous. So Famous B uses a magic wand. And now Brenda's a hottie with a nice car, and apparently she's famous. I swear it gets more absurd each week, which is making it more funny, actually. I usually hate stuff like this, but for some reason, I'm finding it awful in a good way. <laughs> so, you know, they give the numbers, and they, you know, they do a little play, you know, with the numbers, and them each wearing the wizard's hat or whatever. It's just so... So comically bad. And uh, after that, we then switch back to the temple where we see Ivelisse walking out of Katrina's office. She tells her partners, uh, Son of Havoc and Angelico, that she got the title match for next week. But if they lose, they are gone from the temple. Now they start to bicker over this. But Ivelisse tells them to stop. They just have to do this. And uh, then uh, Angelico makes a comment about that's your girlfriend and uh, Senator Havoc is like ex-girlfriend. So apparently they're still not officially a couple. Not that any of us cared, but just figured I'd throw that in. And then it's time for what we are waiting for. I ran through this. I'm not going to lie to you. I think I ran through this show today because I wanted to get to this match. Mil Muertes defends the Lucha Underground Championship against Prince Puma and Pentagon Jr. in a triple threat match. I had to watch this match twice because there was no way I was taking notes the first time. It was hard to do it the second time. Um, to put it just simple, this was mayhem. The bell rings and Puma and Pentagon both attack the champ, beating him down with punches and kicks. But Mill hits a double clothesline to put a halt to it. And now Mill is just beating the hell out of both of them. Including hitting a pescado out on Puma. Then we, uh, it gets really crazy at this point. Each man just tagging each other with one big shot after another. Pentagon back suplexes Puma on the apron. But then gets rammed into the post by Mill. Mill has Pentagon in the ring and gets a two count after the DDT. But Pentagon comes back, 
hitting two sling blades. Then, in a fantastic sequence, Puma and Pentagon go back and forth hitting dives out on Mill as the crowd is simply beside themselves. Uh, Puma and Pentagon then take it to the stands and they beat the crap out of each other. The violence uh, just continues. Puma hits a shooting star plancha from the upper level down onto Mill and Pentagon on the floor. This is a simply awesome. Puma sends Pentagon into the ring, hits a roundhouse kick, then nails the 630 centon. One, two, no. It's broken up at the very last millisecond by Mill. Uh, Muertes power slams Puma. He gets a near fall. But the champ is then beset by multiple super kicks from both challengers, ending with a double super kick a la the Young Bucks. Katrina has a face at that moment of, oh shit. Pentagon catches Puma with a lung blower. Then a Pentagon driver, one, two, no. Puma kicks out. How are these guys still fighting? Pentagon hits Puma with the package power driver. Then goes for his arm breaker move. But before he can break it, he is speared by Mil Muertes. Uh, he sets himself up and it spears Puma also. Lifts both men up. Hits a double flatliner and pins both men at the same time. This very well could have been the best triple match I have ever seen. Way to make Mil Muertes a total, total monster Monster, monster heel. After the match, well, I gotta say, I gave the match four and a half stars. I'm telling you, this was wild. After the match, at the top of the stairway is Phoenix. He cuts a promo in both Spanish and English. Um, basically, that he's coming for Mil Muertes and the Lucha Underground Championship next week. Hot damn, Lucha Underground is really back now. Uh, we're gonna get Phoenix versus Mill for the title. You guys saw, if you saw season one, the wars these two guys had. And now they're going to do it one more time with the biggest prize in the company on the line. I cannot wait to see this. Uh, this was a great show, even without a Dario appearance. Uh, still, this was a really, really good show. You guys got us watch this show. If you haven't been, I've had talked to people who felt like Lucha Underground. I kind of felt that way too. Was not living up to last season. So far, well, watch this show. You'll get that feeling from season one back. I can't wait, like I said, for next week. I hope you guys can't either. And I will be here, and I hope you join me for the review of that great show. But until that time, as always, thanks for listening, and bye-bye.